0: Well, we are there wrap up the uh, sermon series on Back to Basics here through the month of August today with this message. And we've looked so far at Bible study and the importance of being in the Word of God. We looked at our prayer life and the importance of having a strong, powerful prayer life. And we talked last week about worship and what it means to truly worship God. And we participated in one of the greatest acts of worship, and that is in celebrating the Lord's Supper. So today we come to bring it to a conclusion by dealing with stewardship, the issue of stewardship, and asking you a simple question, and that is, are you a good steward? Now I know uh, that whenever we bring up the word stewardship, that most of you think about money and you say, "Okay, here we go again uh, with the church talking about money once again," and uh, we don't like to do that, and we don't like to be told what to do with our money is what I've been uh, what I've been told. But um, you can talk about money and how you make it and how much you make of it and where you spend it and how you spend it in any other venue of life, and it's okay somehow when money is brought up and stewardship is brought up in the life of the church there seems to be a reaction that says all the church wants is our money. No, that's not true. You see the issue about stewardship has never really been about money. The message of the church has never really been about money. The message I'm talking about today has never really been about money. But it's about, it's about faith and trust and obedience in the life of a believer in allegiance to God the Father. That's what stewardship is all about. So, when the Scripture talks about stewardship it's talking about more than money. It's talking about how we handle all the resources of life that God has given to us and how we do it for God's glory. So, I think if we come to understand what a steward is I think we have a little bit better understanding of what our role is as a steward in this whole concept of stewardship. Uh, a steward is somebody basically uh, who manages the affairs of somebody else. I suppose uh, you have a business and you bring somebody in to be an administrator to oversee the finances of that business. Well, you have hired technically a steward or a manager. And they manage your money. They pay the bills that are supposed to be paid. They pay their workers who are supposed to be paid. But none of that money is theirs to do with what they want to do with it. Now they're responsible to you. And if you were hiring somebody in that position and entrusted them as a steward with your resources, you wouldn't want them spending it on anything but what they're supposed to do. Now, that's the way it is in our life as a steward in a relationship with God. You see, if you are a follower of Jesus Christ, you've denied yourself, taken up your cross, and are truly following after Christ, giving Him your life, Then like that manager or steward you hired for your business, you are managing what is not yours, but what is God's. You you have got to surrender your claim to everything in your life. And acknowledge that it all belongs to God. It came from Him, and it belongs to Him. And He owns your time, He owns your money, anything in your life, everything in your life, God owns If we're going to be transformed as mature believers, as disciples of Christ, following after him, then we've got to deal with this issue of stewardship. We've got to come to understand what the Bible teaches about it and what God wants us to do about it in return. Now, there are two areas we're going to look at because I think they're the most valuable possessions that we have when we talk about these two issues our time and our money, and the stewardship of each one of those. First, one we talk about is the stewardship of time. In Ephesians 5, verses 15 through 16, we hear the Apostle Paul saying some very good words to us, wise counsel about our time. For Paul writes and says, Be very careful then how you live, not as unwise, but as wise, making the most of every opportunity, because the days are evil. Two very short verses. But they're powerful in what they talk about, about how we manage our time. See, it would be foolish for us to think that God is concerned about every aspect of our life and wanting control over all the aspects of our life as we turn it over to Him and not wanting to have control over our time and how we manage it. Now, I want you to think about this time is probably our most precious resource in today's culture. We are all pressed for time, aren't we? We just keep saying, well, if I, could, if I had another hour in the day, I think I could make it. If I had a little bit more time, I could finish this project. I could get my homework done. If I had a little bit more time, I could, I could seal that deal. You know, all those kinds. We just think, if I had a little bit more time. If I had more time, I'd volunteer somewhere. If I had more time, I would attend church on a regular basis. We all have the same 24 hours. and have to manage it carefully to do what God wants us to do understand for that, to do what God wants us to do in our life. I want you to understand something. Time can make you money, but money cannot buy you time. Time can make you money, but money cannot buy you time. Each of us is allotted the same 24 hour period every day. And if we are wise, we will use our time wisely. we got a quick video on that. I think it takes a few seconds for it to get warmed up. So you might as well go ahead and get ready to show that for us. But uh, see if you don't get into the flow of this video as it gets going. time. It's there.
1: Thank you. Roll them. Rolling. Action. Okay, here's the deal. We all know that life is busy. There aren't enough hours in the day to do all the things that we want and need to do. In fact, you're probably thinking of all the things you need to do next week right now. Wondering how you're going to squeeze it all in. But the fact is, no matter who you are, no matter what you do, no matter how much is on your plate, we all have the same gift of 24 hours each day. It's 24 hours, 1,440 minutes, 86,400 seconds. All the money in the world won't let you buy one single second more than the next guy. And Once that second is gone, it's gone forever. Look, there goes one right now. Another one, gone. You'd think that we would judiciously use such a limited and valuable gift. You'd think that we would choose wisely how to spend. No invest our time but do we really mean, after taking the time for eating and sleeping and all the other basic necessities do we really use this gift the way we should think of all the great things you could do in 24 hours all the lives you could touch all the significant changes that could be made in your life and others the fact is you could actually make a difference in this world in 24 hours or not so how are you investing your time
0: you get, you get the flow there? I think we all kind of live like that. The faster it gets to the end of the day, um, the faster we can tend to go to try to do more and more and more. And so the, I think the message to us is this. It, it would be ridiculous of us if we were not intentional in how we spent our time because it's a very, very precious resource. And then how we spend our time should always be a decision based upon prayer. And running that that issue through the Scripture to see what God says to us about that. Because I think if we're going to be good stewards of our time, we need to learn to think strategically about how we're going to spend the moments, the hours, the minutes, and the seconds of every day. That's what it means when Paul writes and says, uh, uh, to redeem the time. That's what other translations say, to redeem the time. It means to use that time wisely and carefully. And I think what that would mean in the sight of God, if we're a good steward, is that we want to use every moment of every day in some kind of way, even as that video challenged us, to do something about the kingdom of God and to touch somebody for something that would be eternal in their in the life, eternal significance in their life. I think it means that we walk through life seeking first God's kingdom and his righteousness. And when we do that and prioritize our life around that, then we understand how better we can manage our time. All of that for the glory of God. And said so we need to do that because there are so many good things in which we can spend our time. And good ways in which we can spend our time. But the reality is some of those good things take our time away from the better things which are related to the kingdom of God. So there are always things that take precedent over Sunday morning in the life of a believer. There are always things that take precedent over Wednesday evening in the life of a believer. I mean you admit it, we all deal with that, don't you? Except staff, we are always here, we have to be here unless we are on vacation. But you know, you have the option to take your child to go play ball, to play soccer, to go to this here, go there, whatever you want to do, you know, and to travel and do these kinds of things. But that's spending time, that's God's time. And you are not doing it in a wise way. Not, not that it is not right, You see, there are good things, but you always have that balance in life, that battle to get balance in life between what's good and what's best. And what's best is using our time for the glory of God. And what happens, I think, is that we are shortcutting ourselves in the fact that we aren't spending enough time with God for Him to have time to mold and shape us into those mature believers and Christ followers that He wants us to be. i got data to back that up. Over 20,000 Christians in 139 countries, most of them though were here in the United States, but 139 countries between the ages of 18 and 58 were surveyed in what is called the Obstacles to Growth Survey. This is what they found out. At least 40% of believers around the world say they often or always feel like they are rushing from one task to the next. And 60% of all believers say that often or always the busyness of life gets in the way of their relationship with God. What does that look like? Well, you say, okay, all right. I'm going to start tomorrow. Tomorrow is uh, Monday, first day in September. New day, new month. I am going to start getting up about... 30 minutes earlier, I'm going to have my Bible, I'm going to have my devotion material, a cup of coffee to go with it, and I'm going to spend the first 30 minutes of the day in time with God. And you're pretty good with it for two or three days, maybe a week, maybe even a month, maybe six weeks, and then you know what happens. You're out late doing something, well, you know, I'll catch up tonight. When you get home, there's something else to do. You have to work late. All those things come up, Right. You start out with good intentions, but there are other things that come in and take precedent over that time, and you lose that time with God. The early morning hours might not be the best time for you to do your quiet time. In a household running on chaos, maybe it's just whenever you find those quiet moments that you can have time with God. You know, maybe at work, close your door or go out in your car. Uh, Cookie's sister uh, works in a bank in Kentucky. I didn't know this until just recently. I heard her telling somebody this. That every day on her lunch break she goes in her car. First of all she takes a quick nap and then she starts studying her Sunday school lesson. And every day of the week she does that. She's spending her lunch time in a positive way. Productive. So, she's ready for Sunday morning to teach her Bible study lesson. So, I think we need to be very intentional about our time with God. And you can't do that unless you learn how to get your hands around time and manage it for the glory of God. We've got to become disciplined in how we use our time if we want to use it for the glory of God. Now the second area we are going to talk about, you probably didn't think about the first one there being, being time It's so important. But it is when you look at your schedule. You look at your checkbook and you look at the calendar and you find the priorities of your life. So first of all we talked about the stewardship of time. Now we're talking about the stewardship of money because it is an important issue that we understand that. Many, many passages we could have chosen, but I just chose this one out of Luke 16, uh, four short verses 10 through 14. Yeah, 13. Whoever can be trusted with very little can also be trusted with much. And whoever is dishonest with very little will also be dishonest with much. So if you have not been trustworthy in handling worldly wealth, who will trust you with true riches? And if you have not been trustworthy with someone else's property, who will give you property of your own? No servant can serve two masters. Either he will hate the one and love the other, or he will be devoted to the one and despise the other. You cannot serve both God and money. That's very simple what Jesus is saying. It ought to be easy to understand that Jesus simply says, if you can't be trusted with something as temporal and fleeting as money, then you're not going to be trusted with the larger things of the kingdom of God. Now, some of you sitting there saying, "That's okay. I don't want to be. I don't want to be uh, a keeper of the greater things of the kingdom of God." Well, then you're not showing signs of maturity as a follower of Christ, because you should want more and more responsibility in the kingdom of God. But Jesus underscores the fact that if we have proven, th- not proven faithful with very little. Will never be entrusted with much. And you know what? I think that goes along too with money, and how much you make. Because I think God can bless you with what He wants to bless you, and I think God can withhold what He wants to withhold from you. Because if you are not using it wisely, uh, uh, and you are not managing it wisely according to what He says through, through the Scripture and through prayer, then He's not going to trust you with much. I want you to understand that this, these, these verses right here are sandwiched between two very powerful parables that Jesus told. One was about the shrewd merchant. you might want to read that because he was a manager who misused his master's money. and then the other one is about Lazarus and the rich man. And they both talk about money. And the scripture says that they that it gives us a clear indication of that because in verse 14 it says that the Pharisees were listening and scoffing at him because it says they were lovers of money. Now, in our day and age today, in 2014, we love to point our fingers at the Pharisees. Oh, how judgmental they were. You know? Oh, how critical they were. But guess what? We've got a lot of Pharisees today. And one of the ways we know that is because we love our money. We love our possessions, don't we? We love our stuff. And what happens? We buy. And we buy, and we buy, and then we get in debt. And we accumulate material things because we love our stuff. There's some shows on television that reveal that to us, these reality shows that we tell us we are a nation of hoarders like storage wars, American pickers, and hoarding buried alive. They are the interesting stories to see when they bid on this thing on storage wars what they actually get that somebody left behind in their in their self-storage unit. And let me remind you of this. You need to hold loosely these things in this world because you're not going to take them out of this world with you. You're going to leave everything behind. Now, I want to give you some some statistics that I found absolutely staggering. It's about self-storage business here in the United States. According to research done by New York Times in one of their articles they, that we in the United States now have billion square feet of self-storage space. It started about 1960 with the housing boom out in California around around Los Angeles. And some guy had the vision that said, you know what? People are going to need places to store their stuff. And so he started building those self-storage units. And now how many do we have around us? They have multiplied around us. They've jumped up like mushrooms around Northeast Columbia. I see advertisements on television for them. You know, they're climate control. You know, they're lighted their hallways. They're clean and spacious, and all of that, so you can store your junk in it. You no, know, and that will sell. So you go back and you look at this figure: that we have 2.3 billion square feet of self-storage space. What does that mean? How big is that? That'll hold a lot of stuff. You know what that means? It means seven square feet. For every man, woman, and child in the United States. And that article goes on to say that now it is physically possible that every American could stand all at the same time under that total canopy of that self storage roofing. Now, isn't that phenomenal? That is absolutely amazing. Even when you consider this, 50% of people survey said that as storage renters that, that they had stuff in storage that wouldn't fit in their homes. And the average American home has doubled in size in the last 50 years. And 15% this is what gets me, 15% of customers told the self storage association that they were storing items that they no longer needed nor wanted. Well why spend the money to store it? Get rid of the junk. I will tell you, our garage is a mess. It's full of stuff. We found that when the children marry and leave home, they leave a lot of stuff behind. And then we have a lot of stuff in there. Now, Cookie's made a good dent in it, but you know what the problem is, guys? Your wife starts taking. you, and I say, We why can't we get rid of some of this junk? And so then Cookie takes it, okay, I'll start doing that. She starts hauling off stuff, and I said, wait a minute, you can't get rid of that. I've had that for 40 or 50 years. You can't get rid of that. Why do we keep stuff that long? Some people came out of the first service just like I did and said, well, I, my parents grew up in the Depression, and you didn't throw away anything. I lived, grew up with my grandmother and my mother. They both lived through the Depression. They didn't throw away anything. When I had to go through and clean out the house, I don't know how many of those 10 pie pans there were. Balls of string, aluminum fall in balls, all that kinds of stuff like that see I think that one of the issues about all this storing and hoarding and being selfish is we haven't trusted God enough. And so we are afraid to trust Him and we think we have got to be self-reliant. And so we keep all this stuff because it makes us feel good about the possessions that we have. We keep our stuff. I want to to give you four simple things to think about in terms of stewardship of money, okay? We are going to run through them pretty quickly. First of all Money is a trust. It's something that God has entrusted to you for you to be a good steward of and to manage it and take care of it on His behalf. And remember, Scripture says, he who is faithful in very little thing is faithful also in much. See, money is something God gives to us as a trust to manage it for Him. Secondly, money is a tool. It's a tool to expand His kingdom in this world. And that's one thing, one reason why He gives it to us is so that we can use it for His glory and the kingdom work here and expand the kingdom. And one of the ways that we show our faith, our trust, and obedience to God is how we give to Him. we got a quick video to show you about that. <laughs> That ought to be true probably of everybody in here at some point in time. Just like your devotion time, you say I'm going to start out early tomorrow morning, I'm going to keep that time. I'm going say, okay, this year I'm going to start tithing, I'm going to start giving my 10%, I'm going to tithe. And then we, every one of us have all those things on that list just like they did. But if you don't make that a priority and understand the significance of it you are not going to do it on a regular basis. And I want to understand clearly, what are we talking about when we talk about giving the tithe? Is it just if you give five, ten, fifteen dollars a week? What is the tithe? What does it represent? How much? How much is a tithe? Ten percent. If you got a dollar, what's the tithe out of it? A dime. See, God made it so easy. Ten percent. I can figure that out without a calculator. It makes it easy. So a tithe is 10%. If you're not giving at least 10%, you're not giving the offering the way God wants you to give. Now, when we talk about money as a tool to expand the kingdom, I want you to think about this. Here's another survey that's done that if just the committed Christians, and they are described today, As those who attend church at least a few times a month or profess to be strong or very strong, if all of those strong Christians, committed Christians, would tithe, we would have $46 billion extra to what we already give to use for the work of God in the kingdom of God. Isn't that absolutely mind boggling? But see, we aren't aren't infused with a culture of generosity. We're selfish. And the selfishness comes from a lack of trust in God. We have failed to trust Him to meet our needs as we are obedient to Him. And so we have to hoard and keep more and give less. The average amount that Christians give in the United States today is 2.9%. You compare that to 10%. And you'll see how short that falls. 20% of all Christians give eight, 86.4% of all the money that's given to Christian organizations. How is it played out here? Well, you look at the budget, we've got financial figures right there in the bulletin. You see we're behind, about two and a half weeks behind. Last year 38% of our church family gave nothing. Think about that for a moment. of our giving units, and I'll qualify that for you, a giving unit is any person, man, woman, boy, girl, who has an offering envelope from Spring Valley Baptist Church. 50% of the giving units gave 62% of our contributions to the budget. Think about the endless possibilities for life change in Northeast Columbia if everybody here at Spring Valley would tithe. The resources that we would have to use as a tool for the glory of God would be astounding. And that's what we're called to do. Here's the third thing. Money is also a test. Money is given to us uh, as something of lesser value to see if God can trust us with something of greater value. And that would be our role in the kingdom of God. And then number four, money is a thermometer. It tells us how we spend our money. Uh, It tells us the condition of our spiritual lives. Now, unless you think that the message of the Church and teaching of the Bible is uh, about money, and let me tell you, it is all about faith, trust, and obedience. But, Jesus Christ our Lord talked more about money and stewardship than He did about Heaven and Hell, both of them combined. Why? Because it is extremely important we understand our role as a steward. Now. Let me just give you some suggestions here as we wrap it up very quickly here. Some suggestions. First of all, if you really want to get a handle on these two commodities, time and your money, assess your time and money expenditures. You know, you you, you gotta know where you're spending your money and how you use your time. Your checkbook or your bank statement, whatever, and your calendar will tell you that. Secondly, set goals. Prioritize your life goals on paper and live it out in terms of your time. And the stewardship of your money. Don't be like the guy in the video, put tithe at the top and kept reducing it when the expenses came up and then finally moved tithe down at the bottom. That person's going to give only what is left over. Give the tithe first. Set your goals. And then exercise faith. See I think stewardship is all about faith. That we trust God to meet our needs. It's ridiculous you are trusting for salvation with your soul for all eternity, but you won't trust Him to meet your needs today. You've got to trust Him. Exercise faith. Step out on faith. Get out of your comfort zone and trust God to provide for you. Everything is His. He has the power to give you much. He has the power to give you little. And all of that is dependent upon your level of faith and trust in Him. So, I ask you that question, are you a good steward? That's one of the basics of our Christian faith is stewardship. Are you a good steward? Let's pray. Father, We thank You that You are a gracious God who gives to us out of the abundance of Your love and Your mercy. And we thank You for that through Jesus Christ. We thank You for Jesus Christ that You gave to us the gift of salvation and that He went to the cross and paid it all. He died for our sins so that we could be forgiven. And Father, I pray that as we think about the issue of stewardship and our life and the blessings You've given to us, especially the commodities of time and money, that we look very seriously and carefully at our life and how we spend these two precious commodities so that we'll be able to spend them to glorify You. And we do that in faith through Christ our Savior and our Lord. Amen.